0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Welcome. For those of you here in person and online, we say hello. Hi, everybody. Glad that you are here. So excited that you are with us as we dig into this next part of a series that we've entitled All in the Family. We've been over the last number of weeks digging into just different things that if you and I would incorporate into our everyday lives, it could make all the difference in our relational connection with Jesus and with other people. In week one, we talked about trust. Now, trust is one of those things we have to build it over time, and then when it gets broken, we've got to rebuild trust. And so we learned about how do we rebuild that even when it's painful and hurtful along the way. Then in week two, we talked about what it means to be rooted in love. And absolutely everything that we do, can we be rooted in love and live from that place of love? And then in week three, we talked about what God gives to us when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He gives us provision and protection. And even when we don't, he still provides for us and protects for us to a limit. But when we have that, that intentional relationship with him, it goes above and beyond what we think is possible. And it is amazing. Here in week four, we're going to continue on this adventure. and We're going to talk about this idea called discipleship. Now, discipleship is one of those big, fancy biblical words that basically means this mentoring and believing in other people. Mentoring and believing in other people. If we were, if we would do that, that's where we would be able to see all the difference in the world. I want you to answer this question. How did you get here? Now I'm not talking about physically how you got to this place or or online, how you got from your bedroom into your living room. Maybe you're not even out of your pajamas, but you're eating breakfast. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how you got to this place in your life. Think about it for a moment. Did anybody help you along the way? I want to share a little bit of a story with a gentleman named Dan from my life. Now, Dan was a guy that I met in the very first church that I served He was an amazing dude. He was involved in children's ministry, young adult ministry. He served on the board. I found out that he happened to be a part of a pastor's family growing up. He was a pastor's kid. And so there was something about Dan that I was just like energized by. I wanted to be around him. I wanted to connect with him. I wanted to get to know him. And so about three or four years into my adventure in ministry, I reached out to Dan and said, hey, Dan, I'm a young guy. I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I, I see you and I like what God's doing in your life. Could we hang out and meet up? And he said, sure. Why don't we go for breakfast? That started a seven-year relationship where Dan took me for breakfast Every two to four weeks. And we'd pray together and we'd eat together. In fact, I remember our breakfast order. Belgian waffle slam, butterfly sausage with scrambled eggs on the side times two. Like we had the same thing. Dan was eating it, so I was going to eat it. I just soaked up those times together. You know what? Dan wouldn't let me pay. There was like two times in a seven-year period of time, one was his birthday, that he actually let me pay for breakfast. The rest He paid. And we would pray together, and we'd learn together, and we'd grow together. And it's because of guys like Dan that I'm here today. It's because of guys like Dan that I'm here today. And, and I bet you that there's people in your life that have loved you along the way, built into you, invested in you, discipled you, and that's why you are where you are today. It can make all the difference in the world. We're going to look at a character from the Bible named Paul, probably a familiar name to a lot of us. If you're not familiar with Paul, that's okay. We're going to do a recap and kind of get up to speed on who he is and why it matters that we learn from his life. Now, Paul was one of those guys... It was really interesting. He grew up in a great home environment. He grew up in what I would describe the best situation possible for a young Israelite Jewish man at the time. He grew up in a space where he had access to everything that he needed to succeed and to grow, to become who he was created to be. And as he matured in age and also in his spiritual walk, he became part of the religious elite community of the Jewish culture in in its heyday. And part of the challenge for this community was making sure that there was nothing, no sort of outside influence that would diminish or destroy anything that they were built up for. And see, what's really cool is is the whole faith community called Judaism or what we would know as Judaism today, Christianity was born out of that. We share a lot of traditions, a lot of ideas, a lot of theological nuances between Judaism and Christianity. The one difference is Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come. Somebody that would rescue them, restore all things to their original design and intent. They were waiting for that person to arrive. That person was Jesus and they just missed him. Christians, they rallied around Jesus and were like, oh, he was exactly who we've been waiting for to right-size the world, make sense of the chaos that we find ourselves in. That's the the fundamental difference between the both uh, of Judaism and Christianity. And Paul was rooted in Judaism. He was like part of the elite, as I've said. And so with intentionality and great zeal, what he would do is he'd be a, a guard dog for everything that was threatening his way of life or or their culture. And part of that was this Jesus movement. People believing in who he was, people believing that he was the Messiah. And so Paul, at one point in time in his life, led, led a revolution, so to speak, to eradicate this movement associated with Jesus being the Messiah. He would persecute Christians. He would find them. He would torment them. He would hunt them down, trying to stamp out what they, he thought was heresy in the moment and, and, and in that season. And it was along the way that Paul himself encountered Jesus. And everything changed. And see, that's the whole point. Like, when we encounter Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. I thought it was going to be a chemical engineer. Now I'm a lead pastor of a church in Lynn slash Brockville, Ontario. Very different reality. Everything changes when we meet Jesus. And for Paul, that's exactly what happened. Instead of persecuting these Christians, he now became one of them. He became one of the movement leaders moving forward. He met Jesus on the road to persecution, was forever changed, and he started investing his life completely differently entirely differently. And in fact, if he hadn't done so, and if Jesus hadn't discipled people along the way, you and I would not be here. They discipled people who discipled people, who discipled people, who discipled people. And some way along the line, it got to you and to me. And that's why we're here. And that's the value and significance. So we're going to look at that a little bit more as we uh, learn from the life of Paul. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you. We're going to jump into three different scriptures today. Uh, The first one we're going to take a look at is a letter that he wrote to one of these young people that he met along the way. After he met Jesus, he uh, launched out Paul on these missionary journeys with some other companions. And on one of these journeys to Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey today, he met a young man named Timothy. Timothy. This is what he says to Timothy as he writes letters to him that we now have in our Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 says this. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus who gives hope. I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Somewhere along the line, from persecutor to now builder of people, Paul sees this guy, Timothy, notices there's something different about him, notices that there's some value and some worth and that God is moving in his life and he wants to fan that into flame and he starts mentoring him. And what's interesting is that they do not have a biological connection whatsoever. When he writes and says, this is a son of mine, As son in the faith, he is talking about all this investment, effort, and energy that he is pouring into Timothy. And he sees paying off dividends as Timothy is now leading churches, leading part of the movement along the way. And it's all because he took the time to disciple and mentor. But Timothy's not the only one. Uh, along another ministry journey to Greece, Paul actually meets another gentleman by the name of Titus. And Titus and he strike up this relationship, and along the way, over time, it becomes increasingly possible, increasingly awesome for them to to grow together, to connect together, to the point where Paul devotes a portion of his life to writing letters to Titus, one of them in which we have in our scriptures, encouraging him, mentoring him from a distance. Check this out, Timothy First and Second Timothy, and then Titus is right next to them. We're going to read from chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says this. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they will have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now, at just the right time, he has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God, our Savior, that I've been entrusted with this work for him. And I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace peace. Two different people, two different parts of the world, two lives that Paul is investing in and growing and discipling and mentoring to help them invest, grow, disciple, and mentor other people. Why? For the answer to that, we're going to turn to our third chunk of scripture for today. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, some of the final words that Jesus gives to a group of his closest friends called the disciples. Verses 18 through 20 from this chapter, Jesus says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, Jesus understood that he came for mission. He came to seek and save the lost. And for the mission to become a movement, he needed other people to believe in what he had taught them and to share what he was teaching them with other people, and then have those people share and teach it and invest it with other people. All of us are invited into this unfolding story that is the gospel redemption message of our world today, and it's our choice whether or not we get to participate in it. See, for some of us, when we follow Jesus, we're like, hey, I've got a relationship with Jesus, I'm good. My eternal security, I know where I'm going after I die, I'm invested, we're great, this is amazing, game over. Do You ever wonder why we've been left behind? I'm not talking about the left behind series that somebody wrote, I'm talking about remaining on the planet right now. Like the moment you and I came into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, we didn't instantaneously get transported into heaven. You know why? because life is a gift and and God wants us to experience so much on this side of eternity, in fact, live the best version of life that is possible, but he also wants us to invest in other people. You and I have been given a gift and that gift is life and the way that we spend that gift, we invest that gift makes all the difference. Paul met two young guys two of many along the way on his adventure and his journey, and he saw something in them that was worth fanning into flame, worth investing in, worth believing in, worth giving his time to. How did he do that? There are five things that you and I have at our disposal right now that if we started investing intentionally, it could make all the difference for just one person, and that could be a game-changer. The first thing that we have at our disposal, the capitals, so to speak, is relational capital. Relational capital. You and I have the ability to interact with people. That's what God's gifted us with. Now, for some of us, that comes more easily than others. For others of us, it takes a lot of effort and energy to think outside of ourselves. Maybe we're more introverted in nature. I'm one of those people. And you have to make sure that you're investing in other people in really intentional ways. Think back to the the verses that we read from, from Timothy and Titus. What is the word that Paul uses to describe these two young men? Go ahead in your chat right now. You can type it out. If you're here in person, just yell it out at me. What is the word that he uses to describe these two young men? Son, you said it with great conviction. Thank you very much sons. He calls them sons. And I've already said that there was zero biological relation between Paul and these young men. In fact, he didn't even adopt them to become his sons. He calls them sons though. Why is that? Because he's connected. How they are growing matters to him. How they are doing matters to him. He's invested in their lives because they means something to him. I can remember once over that seven-year period of time where I didn't show up for breakfast with Dan. I completely forgot. I ended up with four phone calls and six text messages from Dan within a two-hour time frame. You know why? Because he was invested in me. He's like, Jason, this is unlike you. To be late, is everything okay? And I had to humbly say, yeah, Dan, just slept in, buddy. Love ya. <laughs> Breakfast is on me next time. Not a chance. See you next week. Do we have people in our lives that we care about? See, sometimes it's really easy as, as parents and grandparents to look at our kids and say, I'm going to mentor and d- disciple and invest in them. And that, that's right. We should be doing that. But when this investment becomes a movement, it's, it becomes people that we're not even genetically connected to that we have no legal responsibility for, that we start investing in, because we see something in them that is worthwhile and meaningful and needs to be grown for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom and his message to redeem the world. That's when it makes all the difference. You and I have that capital right available to us. Sometimes we have a lot of margin. Sometimes we have lesser margin. One of the things that this COVID pandemic season has done for us is it's given us the, the, the opportunity to, to kind of reprioritize everything, create margin where there wasn't margin before. And so I happen to think that you and I have a little bit of relational capacity and relational capital in somewhat of abundance right now. And as things return to normal or whatever the next normal or new normal is for us, we're going to have choices to make. How are we going to invest our relational capital? Will we do so wisely? The second capital that we have at our disposal, regardless of our age or stage in life, just so happens to be physical capital. Literally spending time with people, spending energy with people, Perhaps you've had this happen to you on occasion. Somebody moves to your area and they need help moving into their physical new space. You've got a choice to make in that moment. You can look at your calendar and say, "Oof, I'm definitely busy doing nothing, so I cannot be there. Or you can show up and start investing. One of the coolest things that Dan did for me over my life, we ran this radical youth ministry back in the day where we transformed our church gym in the middle of winter into a a beach oasis. We would dump in truckloads of sand into this space so we could have a beach volleyball court, a hot tub, all these fun things, invite lots of people from the community. And they're like, why would a church do this? Because we love you and we want you to know Jesus. And so we did that. One of these years, I said, hey, Dan, why don't you come with me and let's shovel sand for hours into a wheelbarrow and then dump it by hand into the floor in the gymnasium. You know what Dan did? He showed up. He showed up and he invested all of his energy. And I mean all of his energy. Like I thought I was going to have to drive him home at the end of the night. He was exhausted and so was I and so were so many other people. We've got physical capital at our disposal. And regardless of our age and stage, we still have some of this. Maybe our mobility is a challenge to us right now. Do you know what we have in spades though? Time. Time. Will we create margin to invest in other people? Paul did this. Paul sat down and wrote physical letters. Paul spent time with Timothy and Titus. He followed up with them. You bet if they had FaceTime or text messaging, he would have been on them all day, every day. How are you doing? Are you okay? What happened here? We've got physical capital that we can spend and we can invest where are you and i investing that capital and is it the best place for us to do that investing there's three more capitals that we're going to highlight the third one is spiritual capital we've got spiritual capital For those of us who have a vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we have this in abundance. Whatever Jesus is teaching us in the moment, we have that to invest in other people. Sometimes it just means our actual presence, but sometimes it means our power and our authority, we read that Jesus said, all power and authority have been given to me. And then he passes that on to his disciples. And he says, you know, as you follow me, you're going to be able to use your power and your authority wisely. You and I, when we have a relationship with Jesus, when we're growing in that, have that same opportunity. Well, how do we do that, Jason? What does that look like? Imagine this. Imagine sitting down with somebody that is sharing just a struggle or a challenge that they're facing right now. And as you're listening, the Lord starts bringing a scripture to mind. You can share that word of truth and hope that combats the lie that person may be experiencing in the moment. You can share that. No, no, no. Jesus said that he's always going to be with us no matter what. Even though it doesn't feel like he's with us right now. Even though you can't see him, he is always working we can trust that he is gonna follow through with what he says he is going to do. You can invest your spiritual capital in the lives of people. You, that neighbor, that over the fence conversation that's happening more frequently right now, because no, nobody's afraid that you're gonna get COVID if you're 12 feet apart talking. That's the kind of conversation you have the opportunity to invest your spiritual capital talk about Jesus, how he's making a difference in your life. I'm new to the area and I've had people ask me all the time, how are you getting through this COVID pandemic? One word answer, Jesus. Not drugs, not alcohol, not food, although food is really tasty. (laughs) Jesus if I didn't have Jesus in my world, I'd have gone crazy by now. Some of you are like, by now you're crazy. (laughs) Like, you're a little crazy from the beginning. That is true. Our spiritual capital, we've got it at our disposal. What if instead of us just continuing to feed ourselves and nourish ourselves spiritually, what if we flipped that? What if we started looking for people and said, you know what? I'm going to start investing in them. Not not because I want to tell them what to do, but I want to partner with what Jesus is doing in their lives. I want to come alongside them and encourage them and grow them and mature them as Jesus allows me to. Getting out of the way so that he can move, but I just want to be present to stimulate growth, hope and joy and restoration or healing. There's a fourth capital that you and I have at our disposal. And that's our intellectual capital. There's things that we know. My grandmother, we call her Oma because she's a great-grandmother in both senses of the word. She's great, and she's a grandmother, and she has great-grandchildren. She celebrated turning 95, 95 And I had a FaceTime conversation with her because she knows how to use technology. It's wonderful. I mean, I saw, well, she saw my whole face and I saw her forehead, but she knew how to press the pickup button. And we were talking and we were chatting and I was just listening. I was soaking up everything that I could, not knowing how many birthdays I would have to celebrate with her. 95 is a big deal. And we were able to be physically in the same space. So we used what we had at our disposal, this gift of technology, and we were investing. When my grandmother was two years old, she had rheumatic fever really bad to the point where my great-grandmother, her mom thought that she was gonna pass away. She had like, lost interest in eating, lost interest in just you know making eye contact, all of those things. There was a lady in the village that they were living in, Poland, that just so happened to know a piece of knowledge that if they would boil this tea from a crazy tree that I don't even remember the name of, the bark from this tree, make it into a tea, have her drink that, that she may recover. You know what happened? She recovered. Now imagine if she did not recover. I would not be here today because she, I came from her, right, over the long Tradition of, you know, what people do when they get married and have kids and all that stuff. That's what I came from That's what I came from Now imagine if that lady had kept that knowledge to herself See what you have inside of your brain your experiences May make all of the difference in the world to somebody else some of you have had the privilege of being an executor of a will before And maybe there's somebody in your relational sphere that's like, I have no idea what that means. And they're up against it right now. You have the opportunity to invest that knowledge. Some of you know how to do your own taxes when income tax season is there. Imagine investing that knowledge in a young family that does not know how to do taxes and cannot afford to pay somebody to do their taxes, to train them on how to do that. Think about mechanics and medicine and athletics and you name it, all the things that you and I have been given over the course of our life, they're not just meant for us. They're meant for us to invest in other people. Every random thing in our brains has a purpose. Every single one. My weird affinity for hockey and statistics has a purpose. I have yet to discover what that is, but I know it's something. The knowledge that you have can make all of the difference in somebody's life. And Paul knew this, and he shared not only his spiritual capital, but his intellectual capital with Timothy and Titus and so many others because he knew that he had to invest these capitals in order for the movement to continue. The last capital that we have available to us is the one that we often think of most freely in our society today. And that's financial capital. Whether we have a little, whether we have a lot or whether we have something in between, You and I have this, whether we are eight years old or 98 years old. We have this capital at our disposal. We can make a decision on how we are going to invest whatever we've been given, the little or the lot or something in between, into the lives of other people. I can tell you when Dan decided to be the primary payer... Of our times together, it made all the difference in the world. I was making less than minimum wage. I had a couple of kids at home. I'm trying to buy diapers, and diapers are not inexpensive. They cost. Like, I've put more money into diapers than I think I will be able to put into my kids' education. Right? It's like one of those things. And Dan knew this. And so every week I offered. And you'd love him be like, that's fine, I got it, Jason. That's fine, I got it, Jason. Even when I would race him to the checkout person, he'd be like, his card is bad. He's got bad credit. I'm coming. <laughs> I mean, we ate at the same restaurant a lot, and so the waitress got to know us, and so she would just laugh when I'd pull out my wallet. <laughs> he invested, and it made all the difference on those dark moments where I was like, well, nobody cares about me but my wife and she does that because she has to because she's wearing a ring. (laughs) I'd be reminded like, no, Dan cares. Who else would buy me breakfast and listen to me complain? Who else would buy me breakfast and pray with me about things that really were painful? Who else would take the time and the effort and the energy I mean, he could have spent that on his grandkids. He had other money he could do that with. But he has set aside some capital and he said, you know what? Jason's worth it. And he wasn't the only one. So many other people along the way have invested in me. So many people along the way have invested in you. So now we have the opportunity and the responsibility to take everything that's been invested in us and invest that in other people. Here's where we're going to go with this. I already mentioned this, but as a parent or a grandparent, you, yes, you should be investing in your kids, the ones that you are genetically connected to or, or legally connected to. You should be investing in them and growing them and discipling them. That's amazing. Don't stop. But for or, in order for this thing to continue as a movement, what we need to do is think beyond the people that we're, that we're investing in in our physical families and start thinking outside of that, just like Paul did with Timothy and Titus. And here's my challenge to you and to me for the rest of this 2021 and moving forward. I want each of us to ask Jesus this question if we have a personal relationship with him, and that's this, who are my two or three? Who are my two or three? The people in my life you want me to start investing in and growing. Ask him. Jesus knows everybody's name. It's a wonderful thing. So you ask him, he's gonna tell you. And when those names come, what you can start doing is investing right now, and maybe you're like, I don't even have a relationship with them. You can start by praying. You can start by praying. Dan didn't just pray for me when we had breakfast. It was a convenient place to pray with me, for me, but he prayed for me way more than just when we had breakfast. You can start praying for those people right now. Maybe you're thinking like, I'm 12 years old. What do I have to invest? Your investment can make all the difference for somebody who's four or six or seven or eight. Your investment can make all the difference for that kid in your school that nobody else is taking time for, nobody else wants to talk to. That kid that Jesus loves passionately and intimately, that can make all the difference for him or for her. All I'm asking you to do is ask Jesus for two or three. Two or three names. Maybe he's only going to give you one. You're not a failure if he only gives you one. But if you're writing a list and it's like 57, okay, Jesus invested in 12, okay? So I'm asking for you to do like one-third, basically. One-quarter, actually. I'm not really good at math. Two or three people. Investing in two or three people, and it can make all the difference in the world. Now imagine that for a moment. Let's say there's a couple of hundred of us that call ourselves sea roaders. We're madly in love with Jesus, madly in love with each other, and we want to make a difference in our region. Imagine if a couple hundred people would intentionally love and disciple two other people. Do that math. You know what that's called? Multiplication. And then those two or three people that you've been investing in and developing and growing alongside of Jesus did the same thing over time to another two or three other people. And then they did the same thing to another two or three other people, two other three other people. All of a sudden, 167,000 people or so in this health region area that we live in becomes much more achievable to intentionally love towards Jesus than it does if only two or three of us are doing it. It's all of us together Every single one, regardless if you're brand new to this space or have lived here your entire life, you've got something to invest right in your hand. And the decision is yours in how you are choosing to invest. I've been your lead pastor pretty much since COVID. I don't think there's any co- correlation, so I am not the cause of COVID. And over the time that I've had the privilege to serve in this capacity, God has allowed me to start to meet with some individuals for this exact purpose. And you know what I'm finding? As I make time and margin for these individuals in my life, they are fueling me as well. See, that's the thing I never understood. Why, Dan, would you invest all this time in me? I never thought never crossed my mind that it was also beneficial for him. He got joy out of paying for breakfast. Go figure. If you and I would invest what we've been giving in a really intentional way, it could make all the difference in the world. We've all got these capitals and we all have a decision to make on how we're going to choose to invest them. My hope and my prayer is that we would invest with a kingdom, Jesus-orientated mindset. Let's pray. Father, I just ask in these next few moments for the individuals that are courageous enough to ask you that you would start to give them names. Two or three people, Lord, that maybe they're not connected to yet or maybe they're familiar with but haven't yet really had an intentional investment-oriented relationship with. And God, I want you to, to, to do what it is that you are inviting us into, what you've already done. And that's grow and disciple and mentor people. Lord, I dream of the day where all us crazy sea roaders would have two or three people that were loving and, and investing in and growing and maturing in you, and then that those people would then in turn find their two or three people and do the same and again and again and again. There's so many misconceptions in this region and in our world about who you are. So much confusion about what you care about. And I can't help but think that part of the solution... If we... ...difference in the world, I know it's made all the difference in my life. I'm a living testimony to that reality. So Jesus, I just ask that you would speak freely and clearly give us ears to hear from you and a willingness to use whatever form of these capitals we currently have at our disposal to invest where you invite us to. God, I also fully recognize that that investment for some of us is going to mean actually starting a relationship with you because we've never had one before. We've been curious about who you are. We've been cautious even about who you are, but for some reason today, everything clicked. And so I just ask for those individuals that you'd give them the words to share, cry out from the depths of their heart and their mind, and that you would be who you are in their life, a savior and a king that provides a hope for their present and their future while restoring their past. Jesus, without you, none of this makes any sense. So God, would you help us to move and live and breathe in you and help us to become who you've created us to be so that more people would get to know who you are and help others get to know who you are. To the fifth and fourth and 20th generation, without you, we have nothing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord give you his favor and his peace wherever you go and wherever you are. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.